everybody. Welcome into Mining Stock Daily. And this is a, well, near post-market uh, commentary. We got uh, a special guest on the show that we're welcoming back. But before we get into those numbers, let's, or excuse me, into that conversation, let's take a look at the numbers. Uh, general markets, a little bit of a sell-off since the Fed announcement. Uh, the S&P down about two-tenths of a percent. Uh, the NASDAQ uh, down about one and a half percent. The only thing in the green right now in the major markets in the U.S. is the Dow. That's up about three-tenths of a percent. Uh, gold was having a nice morning. The squeeze continues for the yellow metal. Uh, it's sitting at about $1,966 futures basis. That's December. Uh, silver uh, basically flat for the day. Was up for a little bit, then squeezed down $27.33. Uh, happy to welcome back a, a good friend and also a sworn enemy, as you know, Mr. Jamie Keach. Hey, buddy. Trevor, do you do you introduce everybody as a special guest or, or are most people just normal guests? Uh, uh, is this something you reserve for me? You're a, you are a special guest because <laughs> because I, I, the, our conversations are always lively. Like I never quite know exactly where uh, the direction we're heading. Uh, but it's always keen. <laughs> but but it's always keen and honest conversation. Uh, you know, there's always a little bit of banter between you and I. Uh, but you know, you know, I'll be the first one to buy you a beer when we can. I listen. I'll be the first one to drink it. So it's a. Uh, <laughs> I think that's the <laughs> point. A great relationship that's the, we have that's here. The point, Jamie. <laughs> well, you know where we should be, Trevor. Where we should be right now today is getting a little bit buzzed on a patio in Beaver Creek, Colorado. That's where we should be right now, and that's where I'd like to be uh, instead of my office here in Vancouver in the never-ending smoke cloud coming up from fucking Oregon. Uh, so, the smoke has returned to Colorado, so it may not have been much different. And I and I hate to admit, uh, because I'm so close to Beaver Creek, I'm able to take the family up there this weekend. So, Yeah, but it'll be a very different experience, I would imagine, with your family than at a mining conference with a bunch of CEOs. <laughs> I will. Drinking too much and doing stupid shit on a patio uh, in the middle of that. Beaver Creek is my favorite conference every year. Uh, not only is it, you know, one of the most fun I've ever been to, it's one of the most valuable. You know, you get such high caliber companies there. You get such high caliber uh, investors. Um, you know, we found a lot of the deals that were really, really interesting for us. Some that we've done, the relationships were built over Beaver Creek. You know, I can talk about one, actually, an investment that I did. Yesterday, what day of the week is it? I did Monday morning. Okay, okay so it's Wednesday now. Uh, I met a CEO at Beaver Creek last year named Brad Rourke. And he is the CEO of Scotty Resources. Mm -hmm. And I spent last weekend and a bit of last week up on their site in northern British Columbia, just outside of Stewart, BC. It's in the Golden Triangle. Spent two days on site, another day sort of around the area, seeing things in the helicopter. Uh, we filmed one of our site visit episodes up there, so that'll be out in the next month or so. And I, so anyone who follows Resource Insider knows typically what we do are private placements. Um, I have bought, I think, two stocks on the market in the last two years. One of them is Sandstorm Gold, one of them is Ocino. And the third one was on Monday, and that was Scotty Resources. Uh, I'm super pumped about it. You know, these guys did 2,000 meters of drilling last year, and they got some really great intercepts. Uh, you know, this is the Golden Triangle. Often what you're seeing is these high-grade, relatively small intercepts. But, you know, they were knocking it out of the park with a relatively small drill program, and they just sunk uh, 
what was it, 7,000 meters of drilling. They're waiting to get the results back now. Uh, so I, I walked away feeling very uh, excited um, and interested. And I, I bought the stock and wrote it up for my subscribers, who many of whom I think have bought the stock now at their discretion. So, you know, that's one to watch for your listeners and maybe yourself, Trevor, Scotty Resources. I think they're going to definitely have a lot of news coming out over the coming weeks. And, you know, knock on wood, I'm hoping it's going to be good news. Yeah, the Golden Triangle, I mean, I think it's, it's just an incredible district and jurisdiction. I mean, you think about the mine development that's happened up there. Um, uh, now I can't, it's on the tip of my tongue that just got built a couple of years ago. Predium. Predium. Thank you. Predium. Thinking of, yeah. yeah at, well, and this thing is, this thing bumps up right against Predium. It borders them on, on some of their yeah. properties. Ascot. So it's right. Ascot Resources is moving in development too, so. And they're beside Ascot, and they're beside Tudor. They're like right smack in the middle of this. And what's really cool about this project, and you know what, I didn't know as much about it as I should have going up there, um, but it's a historic mine. It produced uh, just under 100,000 ounces at a really high grade. Don't quote me on this, but I think it was 16 grams per ton, but you'll have to you know, do your own due diligence on that. Um, and this mine, uh, this was back in the 80s, uh, and interest rates were through the roof, and they had a bunch of they had a debt facility out, and they were paying like 22% interest on this massive loan, and it completely just fucked them. And they they went under with, as I'm told, as I've been told this story, they went under with, you know, still known ore in the ground. They just couldn't service the debt. So Brad Brad Rourke, the CEO of the company, you know, he got involved in this five years ago, and he's been. Basically, spent three years cleaning up this thing, relogging old core, mapping the area, just getting a better idea. And they really kind of, I would say, started in earnest last year. And you know, they've uh, they've knocked it out of the park. Um, they started with this tiny little nothing, 400 hectare land package, and they've expanded it to I think it's 25,000 hectares, just under that now over the last few years. So he's turned it from a old mine postage stamp to a real sizable uh, exploration project with, you know, the Scotty mine, the historic Scotty mine as the bedrock. And I, I you know, just the, my back of the envelope calculation, there's probably hundreds of millions of dollars of infrastructure that have been put on there. When you look at roads, when you look at the fact that Predium has a uh, power line running through their property, costs something like $40 million. There's, get this, there's a, this blew my mind. There's a tunnel from their camp under a mountain, under a glacier, under another mountain, out the other side to another mine out there. And it's called the, I'm going to get the name wrong, but it's the Duke something, Duke mine, the Duke, mm. something like that. And it's, uh, it's a privately owned uh, historic copper mine. This fucking tunnel is 20 kilometers long. <laughs> when they told me it was there, I was like, no, that's bullshit. There's no way there's a 20 kilometer tunnel under a glacier from the 80s. And they were like, I'm telling you, it's it. So they showed me. And I like went inside, I looked around, I like saw the map. It's a 20 kilometer tunnel. And so they have that to get under there. It's it's huh. really cool. And you know what? This had totally flown under my radar um, until even though I'd met Brad last year and I started to look at it but, and he kind of talked to me, it was really going there and seeing it that I was like, oh man, I got I to gotta own a bit of this that's stuff. Crazy. So, so that's what I did. So Scotty is the third equity you have bought, mining equity you have bought on the market in the last two years? Sandstorm, Asino, and Scotty. Uh, okay, so 
Scotty's the only one I've never I've never owned. I have owned Sandstorm, and I currently own a Sino. Um, it's really interesting. This is a good conversation. It's a good leeway into a Sino. I've I've been following that story. Uh, Hiya, Don. I mean, it's like he, he continues to produce, continues to produce. Yeah. I mean, that guy is a serial mind builder, and uh, what he's doing in Namibia right now, and the, at the cost and how cheap it is to drill there is just absolutely amazing. So I went and visited Osino. Um, God, was it a year ago? A year and a half ago? A year and a half ago? Not last March, the one before. Yeah. Spent a week there with High, looking at uh, you know his mine, his properties rather. We went to the nearby um, B2 Gold Mine, Ojikoto. We went to the new, the other privately owned mine there that I'm drawing a blank on the name of right now. Um, you know that one? No. God, I can't remember. Anyways, we got to see that. Um, I ended up not doing the private placement with high. I thought it was too expensive at 35 cents, which was, I would say, the stupidest thing I've done in the last 18 months was pass on that private placement. Uh, you know, high told me we're going to drill this thing and we're going to hit it on the first two holes. And I was like, ah, ha, ha, yeah, yeah, it's like everybody else high. Then the fucking guy goes out and drills it and hits it on the first hole. The stock like rocketed to 90 cents, I think, after that. And I ended up buying it on a pullback at like 80 cents, you know, there. And, uh, you know, every time Hyatt sees me, he gets this big smile on his face because he's like, remember when I told you? And I yeah, said, yeah. So, you know, I, we're, I'm long a Sino. Many of our members are long a Sino. Uh, yeah, you know, there's, there's few people you meet in this industry, few CEOs that have the a really interesting combination of technical experience, energy, and capital markets uh, expertise and know-how that Hiya does. He's really, you know, got a really unusual and impressive combination of skills. And uh, you know, I'll tell you what: if Hiya ever comes to me with a deal again, I'm going to put money into it pretty much at any price. So he, uh, yeah, I've been nothing but impressed by him and the work that him and his team have done there. Uh, let me talk to you about some silver deals. I know that you have gotten, uh, into a recent silver deal. Uh, we don't necessarily need to talk specifically about, uh, that company, but maybe just about silver and silver exploration companies in general. Uh, you know, this summer we saw a lot of paper come out, clear out of the gates, a uh, lot of equities, junior exploration stocks were running up really hot. A lot of them have pulled back a little bit uh, because, mm. you know, the silver has kind of been consolidating along with gold. Um, what are your expectations with these young silver companies? Well, first of all, you know, when any investment that I make and we make at Resource Insider – the first thing that we are looking at is the asset and the team. You know, I, I'm kind of a, a believer that you can make money on any commodity with, with, you know, within reason if you've got the right asset and the right team involved. And I like silver. You know, I like the volatility. I like the torque it's got. Uh, both of the silver deals that we've become involved in, I primarily got involved because of the people behind it and the assets they had. You know, the one we just uh, invested in, as you mentioned, it was called Bunker Hill. It is a massive historic mine in Idaho in the United States. Uh, I think that area is called the Silver Valley, really known for silver. Uh, this thing has been at it for over 100 years now, or I shouldn't say at it. They, they mined for over 100 years, but it hasn't been mined in a long time. 
Uh, and this poor company, man, has been caught up in by promoters and pump and dumpers historically, and it's gone up and it's gone down, and there was environmental devastation there historically. And, you know, it's a really cool story because the U.S. came in, they cleaned up, a super PAC group came in, uh, cleaned up all the environmental issues um, in the Valley, not just this project, but all of them. Uh, this, the previous management team of this got cleared out. And the guys that have come in, taken over this company, rolled it back, fixed it up, are ex-executives from Barrick Gold. So uh, the CEO, a gentleman named Richard, I shouldn't say the CEO, the chairman, a gentleman named Richard Williams, uh, is the ex-COO of Barrick. So this is a guy that has worked with one of the biggest, most successful, most complex mining companies in the world. And so much of his job was cleaning up messes, streamlining processes and negotiating with governments. And that's, you know, those are the skill sets he's really bringing to Bunker Hill because they've had to renegotiate things with governments. They've had to clean up a mess. They did a big financing. We participated in it. Uh, you know, we're up, we're in the money. Uh, this thing is, you know, it's, it's massive and they've got something like a hundred years of data that they're in the process of digitizing and re-examining. And for me, you know, particularly as an engineer, when I look at stuff like this, I just see this, you know, they're inheriting God knows how many tens or hundreds of millions of dollars maybe of infrastructure that are already in place from all the tunnels uh, and adits and shafts that have been sunk. But then you're getting all this, you know, decades and decades and decades of drill data that would cost God knows how much to replicate. And so when I can come into a company that's worth $27 million, but they're going to inherit $100 million worth of data. That gets really interesting to me. And when it's run, run by a team that has, you know, run incredibly complex projects and organizations, uh, you know, this seems this seems uh, like a very winning combination. So I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, um, I mean, in terms of silver, I think silver and gold both, you know, like we're just getting started, man. We're like three innings into the game and I'm pretty excited to see what happens here over the next you know, a couple of years. There is some baggage though, when it comes to silver plays, right? Like for example, like I have a couple positions in my portfolio that are pure silver plays. Mm -hmm. And my train of thought literally is this is a momentum trade. I mean, companies that haven't put out any news are up 50, 60% already from my original buy-in. And yeah. I'm not going in there expecting like this is a long-term hold. They're going to go in there and build a mine. I'm literally playing it for the silver momentum and the craziness that comes with the silver momentum. That's kind of yeah. unlike gold, right? And so I know when silver hits maybe a certain price level, I'm going to unload my position. And that's how I'm playing it. I mean – but that's not well I would say you should play any mining company that way right like I'd say sure. there's a case to be made that like there is no such thing as investing in mining there's only speculating right it's sure. not like you're not like there's no I could be wrong on this but I would say like show me any company you know whether it's Barrick or Newmont or BHP or any junior there's a time to buy it, and then there's a time to sell it. This is a cyclical industry. Uh, there's a lot of volatility, and you want to be buying on the way up, and you want to be selling you know, you know, know, before the music stops and it's on the way down. But silver is hyper-volatile, right? Yeah, hyper -volatile. yeah, yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's gold on 
fucking heroin. But it's and, un, it's unlike like when you compare uh, maybe a speculative silver play and compare. We were just talking about Osino, Jamie. You and I have not speculated or invested, however you want to define it, in Osino on the coattails of a higher gold price. Like we th- literally think that. Osino can get that mine, d- build and develop that mine and put it in production, probably yeah. offload it because they've done it before. That is a different. That is a different mentality and thesis when it comes to a lot of silver plays right now. Hundred percent, I agree with that. But it is not a different mentality for any of the silver plays that I'm invested in. Fair enough. Right. So both of them, uh, which is Vizla, which uh, has gotten a ridiculous amount of shit from people who I don't think really understand what's going on there. And Bunker Hill, you know, I'm investing one. Yes. Silver, you know, there's nothing better to own than silver on a silver run Two, management guys that are very experienced and have a lot of credibility and three, um, and three, the assets, obviously. So, you know, Vizla and Bunker Hill are very different assets and they're very different parts of the world. You know, but when I look at a, a, a company like Vizela that's been able to consolidate a massive land package and they're aggressively drilling the shit out of it and basically trying to prove that there's the scale there to be a real modern mine, I think that's really exciting. You know, there's been a lot of, I don't know, chatter on the mining blogosphere and Twitter that Vizela is, you know, just re-drilling old holes or that perhaps, you know, this this land package has been known for a long time. But they're the guys that actually consolidated this thing, put it together so that it has this sort of scale. Like, I know people here in Vancouver, very, very, very successful people who your listeners would know, who tried to do this bloody thing, uh, you know, seven, ten years ago, and they weren't able to do it. And Vizla is a really interesting story because one of the landowners had passed away. And his wife was then the owner. And she was more amenable to kind of offloading this thing because she didn't want to run a mine. And fair enough. It's a lot of work. So they were able to get a deal done and build scale that nobody else had been able to do. Uh, it's an expensive deal. Uh, you know, Vizla are aggressive marketers. They are going out there and they're going after it, uh, which, you know what, I don't dislike. And I'll be the first to disclose, you know, we bought Vizla at 40 cents. You could have bought it on the market at 40 cents. You could have bought it on the market for a lot less than 40 cents after we came in. Uh, you know, I sold a big portion of my position, about just under 50%, um, when it hit 270. So, and a lot of my subscribers did too. So I'm extremely happy as a speculator and investor with Vizla. You know, they're down now. They're, I think, around a buck 70. Are they going to come up from here? The, the question is maybe, you know, the, or rather the answer is maybe. Because they're an exploration play. They, you know, they know they have high grade. They know they've got veins there. Do they have it at scale to be a producing mine? I don't know. And either do they. If I knew, I'd be fucking loading up on Vizla left, right, and center. Uh, as it stands, I own half my position. I'm very happy to, to see what they can do there. Because I think they're good, good people and they're working hard. And it's, the ground is, you know, you don't get these silver districts in many places in the world. And when you're able to get one, like, kind of owe it to yourself and to your your account yeah. to let it be drilled out and see what's there. Uh, Visla is a sponsor of Mining Stock Daily. I'm a shareholder. Uh, CEO Michael Connert is one of the nicest guys I think I've ever met uh, in this sector. And I've had conversations with Mike, uh, you know, 
just kind of off the cuff, off the show. And I didn't know how much skin in the game he took before really launching. <clears throat> when he was consolidating that, I mean, how much of his own money he was putting into really building up that company. I mean, to the point where I don't think anybody would have the balls. Not many people would have the balls to get that done. And so that is that is positive. Jamie, I'm with you. I bought that thing damn near close to bottom. My... I. I think like 37 cents US. Yeah. And I sold a damn big chunk of it for 400% profit. Yeah. Isn't that the point? Isn't that the point? Well, and that's the thing. Like so many people are like giving these guys grief and I don't understand it because they're succeeding. People are making money. You know, I'm getting accused on Twitter and elsewhere of being, um, what do you call it? Like a, paid shill for Visa because I've never taken any money from them or any other company that we cover. Uh, so, you know, there's, there's all this hate out there. And I, I think it's just like, it's FOMO, right? It's like, if you're not part of it, people try to find a way to, to shit on it and take it down a notch. And I, and I think they've been unfairly treated uh, in terms of the slack that they're getting. And I'll leave it like that. I I hate it when companies run up big and I'm not in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. Fair enough. <laughs> you know? It drives me nuts. Like, why? <laughs> uh, Jamie, let's just wrap things up uh, because we've gone a little bit long. It is good to talk to you. Uh, but, you know, what are you looking at for your subscribers here uh, as we go into the fall? Any good ideas? Or are you just kind of holding tight here right now? So, you know, we did a lot of deals over the summer. Uh, we did more deals last summer than we did in the first year of Resource Insider. Uh, so far, you know, all of them are looking good and we're happy with all of them. Uh, it's going to be interesting, of course, in the fall. A lot of that paper is going to become free trading. Uh, you know, there's the election coming up. You know, it's a very uh, mercutial time and I don't know what's going to happen yet. So, we're optimistic, but we're kind of waiting and seeing. I, I find the deal mania that had been going on has slowed down a lot, and I think that's a good thing. You know, we've got two things in the works that we're slowly pushing forward, and I'm doing due diligence on. Uh, we haven't set a date on any of those yet, but um, we're going to be doing more investments when we find great assets run by great teams uh, that are well financed and in the parts of the world that we actually want to be uh, putting our money into. So it's going to be business as usual at Resource Insider and uh, hopefully we'll continue to make people money and you know frankly hopefully I'll continue to make myself money because that's that's always part of the goal. All right, Jamie appreciate your time my friend. Thank you so much as always for coming on and uh, look forward to next time I can buy you that beer. All right thanks a lot Trevor have a good one man. Thanks, everybody. We will be back tomorrow morning with the news briefing. Have a wonderful evening.